Welcome, Disciple Makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church-strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. This year's conference features keynote speakers Fred Luter, Michael Catt, Todd Bolsinger, and Robbie Gallaty, as well as online and in-person regional events. Learn more at www.thesparkconference.com. We also have learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast or podcast. Welcome, friends, to our Georgia Baptist Discipleship broadcast, and I want to thank you for joining in our discussion today, and I want to encourage you to take notes uh, on what you hear because I've learned a powerful lesson recently about leadership. My capacity to lead is determined by my commitment to grow. So as a disciple, we gotta, we have to continually be learning and be open to growth so that we can grow and lead others to do the same thing. And um, at the end of this broadcast, I'm going to tell you about a, a, a large leadership network that you can join. It's called Learning Communities in Georgia. And uh, it's just filled with people who are seeking to grow and to sharpen one another. And today, I am honored to have two of the smartest guys that I know and the best problem solvers that I've met in Buck Birch and Jimmy Bauckham. So Buck Birch is, has pastored in middle Georgia several years. Um, then Buck served as IMB missionary in Russia for 13 years. He's now in his 12th year with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, serving as the missions catalyst. Buck's attended Liberty University, Southeastern Seminary, Regis University, and he's completing his doctorate currently at Liberty. Now, here's a fun fact about Buck Birch. He is what I call the sweetest team member in our church strengthening team. Buck worked for Stucky's Candy Company and became an expert at making pecan log rolls. And notice I said pecan and not pecan, okay? There is a correct way to say that. So you're welcome to join in the chats here if you um, have grown up incorrectly and pronounced that differently, uh, because they combine two of my favorite things, pecans and candy. Uh, another fun fact about Buck, he can curse you in Russian and make you think he's asking where the bathroom is located. So glad to have Buck Birch on with us today. Jimmy Balkum is another one. So Jimmy is the executive director with the Atlanta Metro Baptist Association. And before taking the position with Metro Atlanta, he was a church planting consultant for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board for five and a half years. While in seminary, he's worked with international students at First New Orleans. Um, he's pastored, he's planted churches, he's served with Enjoy Stewardship Services, which is a John Maxwell company. He was also the leadership of pastor um, of Eagles Landing First Baptist Church in McDonough, and uh, just a wealth of experience there. And with all this spare time, Jimmy, I uh, believe you're now working on your second doctorate, PhD, with North American Missiology from Southeastern. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Awesome, yeah. buddy. We're glad that you're with us. Now you are 
not exactly a girl dad, but with your son out of the house, you're, you have a house full of estrogen now, right? That's true. That's true. I have to get out just to find some guys and go have lunch. With <laughs> I hear you, man. And uh, I got to know this too, as well. Another fun fact about Jimmy Bauckham, you once broke your elbow pulling your socks off. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, uh, one of those events that happened. I was tired, had traveled out of, out of town, got back that night, decided to go to bed. And I had this habit of pulling socks off while I'm standing up. Yeah. And, uh, I reached down, pulled the sock off and I ended up pulling my other leg right out from under myself and fell and hit my elbow and broke it and knew it and waited till the next <laughs> morning to go to the doctor. Cause I didn't want to go to the emergency room on a Friday night. Uh, you was already frustrated when you didn't want to have to go sit through another three-hour ER visit. Uh, oh, man, it wasn't very manly. Folks asked me if I did it falling off my motorcycle. I, I really wanted to say yes. Yeah, well, you, you got to make up a better story than that. That's true. That's right. Hey, Buck, man, glad you're on with us as well. And uh, you were in some Stucky's restaurant, huh? You learned to make some pecan rolls? Yeah, it was actually my first job. Uh, there in Eastman. Eastman, Georgia is the home of Stucky's Candy. Got started actually making the boxes and they moved me up to the kitchen. So I was happy to do that. Awesome. Well, I'll expect one of those in my stocking for Christmas this year. Hey, so Jimmy Buck, thanks for jumping on with us. I'm so grateful that you guys are spending the time with us to talk about missional living and some fantastic best practices that we have discussed. Now, I want to remind our audience that our team has a lot of resources that we want to give away. So make sure that you leave a comment Share the link and you'll get double entry in today's drawing for a $75 gift card. And you just may end up in Buck Birch's new comedy show airing this fall on TBN. <laughs> if you missed a full production today, don't fret. You can always watch it on YouTube, Instagram, all podcast platforms, or view it here in our Facebook group where it will live eternally or until I get censored. Now, Jimmy, man, we're glad you're here and... You've been doing this executive director at the Atlanta Metro for about three and a half years, something like that. And um, what are you doing to rally your churches strategically? And you and I talked about what you're doing to, to specifically reach your neighborhoods. Talk to me about that. Right. Uh, and of course, uh, COVID slowed us down a little bit, but uh, my goal is to challenge every church that in particular, those inside the perimeter to focus on five to six neighborhoods and to uh, find people that they can disciple and develop that would be responsible for the spiritual life of those neighborhoods. And uh, really to, uh, to pray for the, their neighbors by name, to care for them in creative ways, and, and care can be a lot of different ways, to share the gospel with them and ultimately to disciple them so they can build up a body of believers in each neighborhood in Metro Atlanta. And one of the things with that, uh, just, so, just so you know, uh, some of the ideas from that, uh, came from a person named Mac Lake, who is uh, yeah. a friend of mine. And he made a statement that Jesus' ministry, and I'd never noticed this, was in Galilee, which I knew that, but that there were 240 villages in Galilee. Hmm. And so he began to break down the ratios, what that looked like. And with Jesus leading, uh, obviously as a son of God, but as human, uh, there in Galilee, it was a ratio of one person trying to reach 240 villages. He hmm. called his, his 12 disciples, sent them out two by two. That brought that ratio down to one team for every 40 villages. And ultimately, when he sent out the 72 or 70, whichever version you read, but the 72 that sent out 36 teams that got a ratio of about one to seven villages. 
And the same kind of thing is what I'm looking at in inside the perimeter of Atlanta in particular. Atlanta City, the city of Atlanta has 242 neighborhoods. Isn't that funny? Just two more than the villages. Wow. But inside the perimeter, I've been able to determine that we have about 548 neighborhoods. And so the question remains, if every church adopts five to six of those neighborhoods, invest distinctly in those around them, what can we really see as a movement of the gospel inside the perimeter? Although all our churches aren't inside the perimeter, but what could really happen? Oh, that's solid. What I love is, number one, that it's strategic, because we talk a lot on this broadcast about uh, discipleship and disciple making doesn't happen by accident. Healthy, sustained growth in our churches, they will not happen by accident. So what you're talking about is an intentional plan to reach the neighborhoods or or people groups or, or whatever it may be. So I'm, I really love this discussion. And you gave even the biblical background to some of that. And recently, Jimmy, um, the Lord impressed on my heart in one of just one of my times as I try to have time with the Lord every morning when I get up and to kick off my day is that I needed two things in greater measure. One is the hatred for my own sin. And then uh, the second was compassion for others in sin. And what you're talking about requires us to love all people, not just those who look like me or act like me or believe like me or smell like me. What would you say to those who, who are going after those people and they're seeing growth but they may not be going after those who don't look like us, you know, because there's an element of what we're talking about here. This we were to reach all people and all people groups and all neighborhoods. Any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, there is a you've heard of the age old homogeneity principle that is McGavern said that people like to gather and grow in there uh, with people like them. And, yeah. and that's just a natural human phenomenon. And so we like to be around people that are like us. You find a bunch of bald headed guys walking in a room. Bald-headed guys gather around each other. They just do and start asking, hey, how do you get that shave and all that on, on your head so <laughs> tightly? Uh, just some of those kinds of things. And so the only way to step outside of that is to intentionally choose to get around people that are unlike us and listen. Uh, you know, there, there is great benefit in listening and hearing and understanding uh, and especially when I did, you know, the work at First New Orleans and doing international students, I had no clue what I was doing, zero clue. And God often puts us in those positions. And I and I was going and visiting uh, with Chinese and I mean every nation under the sun you can imagine. And I didn't know the cultural significance of some of the things I was doing until I listened to them. And then I grew, and it helped me to stretch my perspective of how do I relate to people by bringing truth biblically lovingly to broken humanity created in the image of God. How do I do that? And so I think it's just getting with people, spending time with people yeah. and listening to them and their stories. Yeah, that's good. And it's the idea of leading our heart, not just growing with the people that, that are uh, looking, hang out around us. Now, um, in just a second, Jimmy, I do want to talk about some practical things of how, how people can develop a strategy like this. Where's, what are some of the tools? But before we get there, Buck, Let's talk about missional living because your team exists to help churches understand and implement that concept. So what are some practical ways that a church um, can not just adopt a neighborhood, but also equip their members and their groups or their service teams to live missionally? That's a good question, Scott. You know, we, uh, we often say that the, the two biggest tools outside of your, your Bible are a map and a calendar. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you can get groups in your church or even individuals to start living missionally by looking at what are the target areas that they could focus on and uh, put some deadlines, some dates of, of, of targeting them, then that would be huge. So a couple of things that we've really encouraged are uh, primarily like, what are the small groups that are already in existence in your church that could adopt specific places like Sunday school classes? Are there any neighborhoods or streets that they would literally adopt? Start prayer walking those. And by the way, there are some great apps that are available that will outline who's living in what houses on which street. And so putting those together, start praying for them, maybe even planning a block party in that neighborhood, looking for a a person of peace uh, who lives on that that street. Um, And then just encourage the the church or the group to uh, release some members to start focusing. Ultimately, that could lead into a new church plant in that area. But but Bible study groups getting missionally, doing backyard Bible clubs, uh, missional vacation Bible school, or inviting people from that street to come to a specified Bible study. Uh, that could just generate relationships. And then I would just say also finding a way that you can encourage conversational evangelism. You know, we've, we've had a lot of canned evangelism programs and all those are good. I'm, I'm a product of, of, of evangelism explosion and, 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 and a few others uh, in, in that light. But conversational evangelism that just starts with, hey, Mankind has a problem, but God has the answer, and that answer is best resolved through Jesus Christ, ultimately forgiving us of our sins and setting things right. So, so getting those, those kinds of things into the smallest of groups in the church and then focusing those groups on specific geographic areas. Yeah, that's good. Now, Buck, I want to I talk something, and Jimmy, if you've had thoughts here, I want to jump in as well, because... I mean, everybody who's watching this has done a mission project. We've gone on a a short-term mission trip. We've involved our people in a day of serving, that sort of thing. But there's an issue that our team hears a lot about, and it is how do you maintain Mm -hmm. a lifestyle of missional living or what I call a disciple's life, like what Jesus taught? How do you maintain that? Because we can do the projects and we can send a team and we can do something for a day. But how do we maintain that kind of character development, that kind of investment? Do you have any ideas, maybe any practical things that you've seen or that you've done to maintain that kind of effort long-term? Yeah, you know, Scott, that really involves a strategic look at not just an event, a one-time event, but an experience over time. So if it is a general area that has been targeted, the one-time events are great. I mean, for example, Um, we've had some crossover 907 events that have happened down in Columbus, for example, 102 people got saved, but the, but the, the, the success of that wasn't just the one-time event. It was the involvement of those churches that are in those neighborhoods to continue those same kinds of outreaches ongoing. There's going to be another one in, in crossover Martinez, uh, and if anybody's interested, they could go to crossovermartinez.com to see how the Augusta area with the churches that are in that most lost zip code of the East Central region are going to be doing a one day event. But then thereafter, each of those churches are going to be focused on ongoing experiences with the people that they that they interact with. It's not just um, saying we're going to put something on a calendar for a day but an ongoing prayer support that's going to go on some advocacy for those people, some education about what's going on in the area. 
And having a guy or a woman who would be willing to take up the mantle and say, not only is our group adopting this, but I'm going to be that one that's going to constantly bring back to the group the needs of the people that we're focused on so that it does maintain itself as an ongoing missional lifestyle. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Jim, any thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, Buck hit on that, especially if we do a project in a neighborhood or do a mission trip somewhere. Uh, I think it's best that we tra translate that to further action by basically intentionally mentioning it and then encouraging them to do that, to say this mission trip or this project is not over uh, when it's finished, but actually give, give steps and things that they could do in their own neighborhood once they get home or even at the very beginning to say the purpose of this is not just this product. Uh, once and done, check it off, you're finished, but it's continuing this. So lay that vision out in front of them from the very beginning and then say, this will help develop you to be able to do what day to day we as followers of Christ need to be doing every day. That's great. And that reminds me, listening to the two of you talk, it reminds me of a, a church in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. It's called Broadmoor Baptist Church. Frank Gunn was the discipleship pastor, family pastor there. And he had encouraged all of his uh, what they call B groups or Sunday school classes to adopt a neighborhood. And in that, uh, if I remember the story right, they encountered multiple unwed teen mothers in this particular area, neighborhood that they had adopted. And then they connected those ladies with a resource in town. So they adopted a, a ministry that was ministering to them. So they were facilitating, they were doing um, baby showers, and they were connecting them with needs and vitamins. It was just incredible. And not just meeting a physical or socioeconomic need, but giving them Jesus in, in the process. So gosh, love what you guys are talking about. Thanks for sharing that. Now, Jimmy, let's turn the page and let me mention a, a quote that I heard you say one time. I heard you say that action without attract will lack attraction. Okay. Action without attract will lack traction. So can you expound on that? Because many of our church leaders who, see, who hear this, they're going to say, man, that's great. But with everything else I got going on, where could I possibly add something else that I'm responsible for to get traction. And once I get it, how do I find time to maintain that kind of level of ministry? Can you expound on that, that quote? Right. It was uh, Bob Bill. I think I'd read a book years ago that had said something similar to that. And, and the idea is we are people of action. And so we want to do, we want to, we do want to do mission trips and other things like that, but uh, we don't have a track often that we run down mm. and that we develop. And if we develop a track that is repeatable, that is that we can duplicate, that we can develop so that others can do it and help them do it, then we'll never get traction. And so traction comes when it multiplies. You know, me doing a mission and me doing a ministry is one thing, and that may be action. But if I can help develop a track that others can run on and they begin to run on that and I help disciple them through that, then we can get multiplication traction. We can we can get something that can actually move this gospel movement down the road uh, in our in our neighborhoods and in our in our work. And so the interesting thing uh, for Metro Atlanta, people think often and, and the state of Georgia, over 10 million people, we think it's impossible. We just settle in that uh, we reach our little neck of the woods and that's it. And we even say things like, uh, you know, door to door does not work anymore. Mm. And in most cases it doesn't. But stop and think about this. If you live in the neighborhood and you've connected to your neighbors, then door to door works again. Yep. And it's porch to porch, door to door, community to community. 
grocery store to grocery store. And so one tool that I'm trying to challenge our churches to participate in is a website and it's an app. Buck had alluded to it a moment ago. It's blesseveryhome.com. Okay. Blesseveryhome.com. Someone could sign up right now. There are three levels to it. They can sign up an individual and you can lead your church members to sign up to be a light in their neighborhood. And what will happen is the 40 closest neighbors. Now, if it's a less dense populated area, it may be much less than that. But the 40 closest neighbors, you will receive their name, the location in which they live. Now, always, you know, don't walk up and say, hey, Miss Jones, I understand. And, and then tell them I found your name on a website. Or <laughs> don't, don't do that. But basically confirm, yes, Miss Jones does live here. Or PJ lives there or whatever the, whatever the name may be that you find. And then start praying for them. And it, that, that website and that app will email you every morning five of those names to pray for specifically. You can keep notes on them. Then you can start asking questions. How can I care for these people? For example, my wife went to the pool that's in our neighborhood. Uh, we live in a townhome community. And uh, I had been doing this. And there was a couple, a family there, young girls, that uh, were speaking another language. And uh, there was no connection that was able to be had, except my wife had a ball that she had brought for my daughter and us to play with and to throw back and forth in the pool. And she just looked at them and offered it to them. Well, that's care. That opens a doorway to now when they see her, they smile. They ran into a Christian and it didn't hurt. And uh, how mm. often do we need something like that where people, yeah, there's truth and there's, there's difficult truth. But I would say use blesseveryhome.com. And just start praying for people and what who you pray for, you're burdened by. And eventually you'll find ways to meet needs. Even biblically, you can go back to Nehemiah. When Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, what did he do? He encouraged the people to rebuild the part of the wall closest to their home. Well, we need to build the gospel closest to our home and be that one that can carry the gospel there. Ah. That's solid. And for those of you who are listening, we believe in the wisdom of the crowd. So many of you have tried some of this, trying to reach your neighborhood or, or reaching certain pockets of your ministry area, or maybe strategically different people groups or whatever. We would love to hear from you right now. So make sure you put that in the chat. Here's what we've tried. And if you've got a tool that you've used, we'd love for you to share that as well. Now, Buck, um, we've done a ton of ministry over the decades of our experience. And, and we both know that um, we can do this and we can see results. But if this idea is not attached to an overall strategy, mm -hmm. this community-minded ministry, it's always going to be limited. We're going to go in, we'll make an impact. But 18 months from then, everybody's going to forget yeah. about what happened. Give me your thoughts regarding what a missions team or a group's ministry leader can do to run this play and also be part of a bigger uh, larger discipleship plan. And, and Jimmy, after he shares, if you have any thoughts there as well, we'd love to hear. So there are really two things that I'll share, but let me let me lay the fr uh, framework or the groundwork for it by saying, in order for this to truly happen, we have to move out of a pioneer mentality into a partner mentality. What I mean by that is we've got to be willing to partner with others to allow the resources of God's kingdom to not always have to just flow through us. Um, if you're targeting an area, one of the things that you're going to want to have is a, a constantly bringing advocacy before your people about that area. So if you look at Acts chapter one, verse eight, 
there are four different mission fields that are mentioned. And one of those for those original recipients was their Jerusalem, their, their local uh, location. And so if there is an area that's being targeted, I would highly encourage a church to develop an Acts 1-8 kind of uh, portfolio so that they can focus on their international. They can focus on stuff that's national. They can focus on stuff that's even regional, but on the local end. Have a high priority for those places for their people to pray for, to reach out to, 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 uh, to see God work in those areas. That leads me to the second resource. Once you move beyond an Acts 1-8 portfolio, putting something on a calendar. We've developed a 4-3-2-1 calendar strategy where if you take a 12-month calendar and move two of the months off, usually that's a December and, a, and, a, and a, uh, an April moving Christmas and Easter off the calendar. That leaves 10 months where if missionally you could put something before your people and focus on it. Four of those months could be local. Three could be regional. Two could be national. And one could be international. The fourth mm, could be one. So four months out of the year, literally a third of the year at any point in time, your people could be focused on that neighborhood. That particular Sunday school class or that small group that's, that's adopted a street or a neighborhood, four months out of the year, know that they're bringing before the others in the church, the, the needs of those people, advocating for what it needs to, to reach them. And if they want to push beyond that into a partnership relationship with other churches, with other associations, being the primary advocate for what is needed to reach that street, then they have allowed themselves to be a, a, a resource that could supply God's harvest resources for the rest of, 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 of what God wants to supply. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, Jimmy, do you have any thoughts here as well? And, uh, and I do want to close with a thought as, as you guys are um, preparing to land the plane here. Um, Jimmy, if you have any thoughts here, but also I want to discuss this idea because I heard a leader say not to probably in the last two weeks, man, we've tried that and that'll never work here. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that comment. And every time it just, man, it just gives me chills because I feel like if when I say that, I have put a lid on what the Lord wants to do in in my ministry, in that church, in that situation. So um, any follow up to what Buck says or and I'd love to have have any wisdom of what you would say to that leader who feels like that. Well, follow up. uh, One thing to what Buck said is I, I do think calendaring is critical. Uh, we, when we do the one and done or even the four and done or the three, two, one and done, whichever that plan, great plan. But if we don't calendar, if we don't, uh, if we don't do a checkup in a moment, if we don't follow up and see it in the context of discipleship, what we're doing is not getting people just investing in their neighborhoods, just investing in a mission. We're getting people to be invested in themselves. Hmm. We are discipling people. And if we disciple them, we will no longer have to consistently schedule it. It'll begin to get momentum. Now, when does it happen? Uh, I guess it's it's the case for each individual church or each individual group. But I do think scheduling it gives you the opportunity to finally create momentum and movement. Uh, as far as the uh, church or the pastor or the leader who says that won't work here, listen, there is story after story throughout the Bible of, uh, for example, Abram. I preached on Abram yesterday. 
that won't work here. He's too old to have a baby. Right. Mm, come he on. His wife. That won't work here. So it worked there because God was involved. That's right. And if we, if we simply look at our context and who we're around and begin to ask the questions, I think it's okay to ask someone, uh, how would you respond to this? Even a lost person. Uh, I was talking to someone uh, in our neighborhood the other day. And one of the things I said, there's about 70 townhomes in here. And, and we got to talking about, he, he brought up politics and I, I enjoyed a little bit of conversation with him. But then I said, hey, there's a city, there's a country that I am, uh, that I am a part of and that is my uh, place that I look forward to. And that country steps even higher than the nation we live in now. And that country is called heaven. And that, that New Jerusalem, when it finally comes, I look forward to that. So I'm investing in that country even more than I'm investing in this country. Although I love the nation in which I live, I want to invest in that country. So keep our sights high. Let's be willing to invest in conversations. Let's be willing to be open to what God would have to say and never say that will never work here because when God's involved, he can surprise us at every turn. Mm, good word. Final thoughts here, Buck? Well, I just, you know, I will add to what, uh, what Jimmy just said because I believe that for far too long, we've treated the Great Commission as if Jesus has told us the command is to gather a crowd. And instead, we got to reread what he told us. In Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, make disciples, not gather crowds. And if our focus in those particular areas that we're going is to call out disciples and, and to, to become the mentors for them, then that changes the way that we do what doesn't work anymore. Um, and yeah. so I, I, I fully agree with uh, what Jimmy's saying. I, I think we've got to re, refocus our efforts into discipleship over attractional events. Yeah. And, and, I would say, and I would say what Buck just said is uh, we, we tend to think discipleship does not include evangelism. Mm. Evangelism, sharing the gospel, is simply discipling someone to Jesus. Right. And on. once they come to Jesus, we disciple them in their relationship with Jesus and their relationship with others. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement, but you, You're about to get me fired up, Jimmy. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, friends, look, many of us have tried things in the past and they didn't work. They lead us to say things like we've tried that before and, and that'll never work here, which, by the way, is the song of the defeated. What if we change the statement to a question and instead we say we tried that and it'll never work? But what if we had a new perspective and it says, what would happen if? Or what about another a question, another statement we could say, how could this work in my context and then gather leaders, develop a plan and focus on solutions and not focusing on the problems. Here's what we've learned about great leaders. They understand that the future belongs to those who think deeply and trust God wildly. I hope that you're one of those. Great leaders also invest more in people than trusting programs, because after all, programs don't disciple people. People disciple people. Programs tend to run on autopilot. And I, I want to encourage you as, as a last thought here is find a network of like-minded leaders. And we've developed learning communities all across Georgia. We've got 30-something of those now. And we've got one, I can guarantee you, will be within driving distance of where you are. And we'd love to connect you there for prefer, professional and personal development. So if you'll send me a message, if you'll drop your name in the chat here or click the link that we're going to put in the chat for today's broadcast, with a message, we will connect you with a learning community near 
you. So Buck Birch, Jimmy Bacham, thank you for being awesome and joining me today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Atlanta Mountain, John Graham, thanks for producing. And I want to remind our listeners that the we're only able to do this broadcast because you give generously to the cooperative program. So thanks for doing that. And I pray that today's discussion with Buck Pecan Log Roll Birch and Jimmy Bone Crusher Bacham will inspire and equip you to be a disciple who makes world impacting disciples. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-makers.